All right, good morning. All right, I'm going to encourage you today. I'm going to challenge you today. Some people like me, some people don't. I don't worry about it. Um, the moment I die, i got to answer to Jesus Christ, and he's the only one that can give a thumbs up on your life. Is that right? Yeah, so if you take your time and please him with your life, it gets to be a really good life. So I'm going to give you some good things to think about today, but the first thing I want you to think about is I want you to think about time. I want you to think about time, okay? Every second, two people die, okay? By the time you put your head on your pillow tonight, another 150,000 people have taken their last breath, walked off in eternity, heaven or hell as we speak. Okay, so simple question for you, Ida Wild. Do you care about those two people that just died? Okay, but a much, much, much tougher question. Do you care enough to do something about where those two people are going to spend eternity that just died? Because we sit here, two more people just died, and two more people just died. And too many times as Christians, we are completely out of focus. Okay, want to go to this afternoon, go enjoy a beach on a beautiful day, go watch a football game, go do something today. But yet to those two people that just died, it doesn't matter the score of the football games this afternoon, right? It doesn't matter how much money I've got in a bank account the moment I meet the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? What matters is did I know the Lord and what did I do for the Lord? Because you can be here one moment and gone just like that. Is that correct? Yes. That's correct. I used to be a high school teacher back in the day, and one of my students uh, uh, Brian had a learner's permit, and he was driving in the mountains of Tennessee with his mother, pulled into a convenience store. Uh, him, and Brian, uh, him and his mother switched seats, so Brian moved to the passenger seat. They pulled out into the mountains of Tennessee. A boulder rolled off the side of the mountain. Boulder landed directly in the passenger seat and crushed Brian dead instantly. Okay, mother could look over, and there's a boulder sitting in her car, and Brian was dead underneath that boulder. But see, I knew Brian was coming back to school next year. Uh, oh, no, Brian wasn't. Brian took off into eternity. The only question is, where's Brian at right now? Uh, two Sundays ago, I got a phone call that uh, one of my high school buddies, Tate, uh, died uh, two weeks ago. And uh, he, I actually put him in one of my books I wrote, uh, one of the characters in the book. And, um, and uh, what I remember about Tate is I took him to lunch one day, and uh, we were talking about Jesus Christ, so sharing the gospel with him and stuff. And Tate looked at me and said, he said, Mark, you're the only friend I've got that talks to me about spiritual matters. What an interesting statement. What a sad statement, right? The only friend you got that talks about this, okay? And then we just kind of drifted away. He was in the Hollywood stuff and everything, and then we just kind of drifted, and I just got the phone call last week. But not the question that he died. Where did he go is the big question. Okay, when you took that last breath and do that, okay? Uh, question four, you give me a verbal response, okay? Do you believe hell is a real place? Okay, so you believe hell is an actual real place that people can really go to for all of eternity, yes or no? Okay, if you believe that and you have to hold that position with a biblical worldview, you have to hold that position, that means then you can never ask yourself the question, how can I share my faith with this person? The only question is how can I not share my faith with this person? Yes, completely the wrong question. It wasn't how I could witness to um, Austin at the Enterprise checking in uh, Friday at Tampa. How could I not take the time to talk to Austin? Great conversation. His fiance emailed me last night. I gave him a book. She read the entire book yesterday, and she emailed the ministry last night and do that, okay? It wasn't how I could talk to uh, Brian uh, sitting next to me on the plane flight to Tampa on Friday. How could I not take the time to talk to Brian? Fascinating conversation about life and death, eternity, the whole flight down, okay? So once I know hell's a real place, I don't want people to go there, but that's my job as a Christian to share them the truth about Jesus Christ so they make the right decision here so they have the right eternity on the other side. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's very simple to do that, okay? Now, you've heard, of, you've heard about near-death experiences where people flatline and see white lights and tunnels, yes or no? Okay, it seems to be all the rage right now, okay? One, be very careful of these. I think many of these are very fake, very fake. 
because Satan says that he can appear as an angel of light. Okay, matter of fact, one of the teenage, uh, one of the boy stories last year, uh, one of the boys is a teenager now, he publicly came out and said he completely lied when he told the story of what happened. Completely lied. He did it for attention. Some book company, they did it for what? Tons of money. They had to pull all his books, all his DVDs off, okay? It was a total fake the whole way, okay? So again, we test everything against the scriptures and do that, all right? But in my time of meeting people, I've actually met 32 people that flatlined who actually had a hell experience and not a heaven experience, okay? I played uh, college basketball with uh, Charles Barkley years ago at Auburn. His younger brother, Daryl, flatlined. End of his, so a lake of fire, he could feel this intense heat off this lake of fire, Ever heard of a lake of fire before, folks? Matthew uh, 25, book of Revelation. I have more people tell me they have this lake of fire experience. This morning at my hotel, residence in, I was talking to Rick, and Rick was four years old at his grandmother's deathbed, and an encounter happened there, and it was not good part of it, okay? And the 60-year-old man still remembers that encounter at grandmother's deathbed, wondering what happened when she took her last breath and walked out of you, okay? That just happened this morning, just talking with somebody, getting into a conversation, trying to plant a seed for the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? I had a nurse tell me, always ask doctors and nurses, have you ever seen anything supernatural occur you could not explain with your natural mind? They almost always have stories to tell you. I asked a nurse in North Alabama one day, I asked her that question. She said, you better believe I do. She just starts telling me this story. She had a patient beginning to flatline, start screaming, two demons in the corner coming to get me, starts grabbing at the sheets of the bed. Don't let me die. No, 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 no. Flatlines and dies. She looks back at the bed where the woman was grabbing at the sheets, literally cut through the sheets with her nails. Whatever she saw scared the living daylights out of her, okay? Y'all, this is serious business. This isn't a game, okay? Basketball's a game. Football's a game. The moment you meet the Most High God and you take a last breath, game's up. Game's up. Game's completely up. Ready for this one? We had two EMTs pull a guy out of a car, pumping on his chest, screaming, Fire, fire, flames, flames, flames. There's no fire. Car wasn't on fire. He wasn't on fire. EMTs don't know what's going on. They just kept trying to keep this guy alive. Fire, fire, flames, flames, flames. Flatlines and dies. Ready for this? Both EMTs, both atheists, both said they could smell a burning sulfur smell as the man flatlined and died. Both said it was supernatural. Both said it was hell, and they never believed it existed until that day. Y'all, this is serious business, okay? This is serious, serious business. Hell's a real place, okay? I had a guy at a hotel in, uh, last month in South Carolina. I gave him a book to read, and when I went to go speak, when I come back, he was sitting there reading the book at the, at the front desk. He said, he's, he's a Hindu guy. He said, wait a minute. If this is true what you're saying, you believe somebody like me is dying and going to hell, okay? And if somebody rejects Jesus Christ and his forgiveness, that is the eternal destination, but the Bible says hell is a place reserved for the devil and his angels, Matthew 25. I tell people, I don't think people are supposed to go there. I think it's for the devil and his angels, like the Bible says. But people can, what? Cho choose to go there, that's right, by the rejection of Jesus Christ. But if I care about you, won't I say stop and think for a second? Okay, and where are you going to spend eternity? Because you can be here one moment and gone like that. But we as Christians got to care about these people, okay? Because time is a very precious commodity. Anybody got some age under your belt? Did life go by quick? Yes or no? It's crazy. 
Remember when we were those little ones back in the day? And now it's like, what? Okay, it just goes so quick, but we got to use our time wisely. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we open up the scriptures. Okay, so let's pray. Father, thank you so much for just uh, a good chance to be at a church that wants a, a, a talk on sharing your faith. We've reached a very sad point in America. A lot of churches don't want evangelistic messages. We just want light, fluffy, let's feel good and let's go to the beach. That's not Christianity. That's not Brazil. That's not other countries. That's not the pastor who got out of jail this week in Iran who was tortured for his faith. We need biblical Christianity here in Tampa and St. Pete. Odessa, we need it here, Father. Let us be the people that are going to bring it to many people here in the days to come. So we thank you for it, and uh, we do, and we ask it in the great name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen, okay? All right, uh, we're going to open up the Bible, so let me see your Bibles real quick. Now, if you don't have one, there's a pew in front of you. There's a Bible in front of you, so let's see those things. Hold them up for me real high. Just want to make sure. Good. Okay, a few electronic ones as well. Okay, good. Okay, now, um, I always give two words of advice before you open your Bible. I give two words of advice, okay? And the words of advice are very simple. Be careful, okay? This is the most dangerous book in the history of the world, okay? This book has changed lives for thousands upon thousands of years. This book has actually changed countries if you study history, okay? But at the exact same time, this is the most denigrated book we have in our world today. This is the book that's mocked, that people put their hands on in courtrooms and swear they're going to tell the truth and then walk into a stand and lie because they have no fear of the God they're going to stand in front of one day, okay? Um, I spoke at uh, Kansas State University one time and I had 400 college students out there and I asked the college students, um, in your classrooms, have you heard anything anti-God, anti-Jesus, or anti-Bible in any of your classrooms at Kansas State? 400 students, how many hands went up? All but three or four. Yeah, this book is being ripped to shreds. Why is it being ripped to shreds? It's very simple, because this book says there's a God, and I'm not him, okay? So that eliminates the New Age movement, right? It's all gone, okay? This book says, just like you said out of First Peter, uh, this God is holy, and I'm not even remotely close to him, okay? Remotely close to being holy, right? So that means I have to humbly come to, whoops, that's a word most of us guys don't like, right? The humble word, don't like that one, okay? But I got to humbly come to him. Okay, to the cross of Christ for that born-again experience to be washed clean of all my sins, okay? This book changes lives. It needs to change our lives, correct? And when, when God begins to mold us, when we read and study this book, study to show yourself approved unto God, okay, 2 Timothy 2, when you get molded into those men and women that look like the people in this book, watch out, God's going to use you in mighty, mighty ways, okay? Now, we're going to open up this second, but be careful, okay? Because you may, you may get some verses this morning. You may not like those verses, don't come up and talk to me about him. I didn't write it, okay? You, you get to meet the author one day, so have a conversation with him if you feel like it, okay? But always remind people, if you think you're going to point fingers at God and don't like something he said, always remind people, is always tell people, to read the last five chapters of Job, always remind people, okay? Because at the end of Job, who asked most of the questions? Job or God, which one? Yeah, God asked them all, right? Job realized his position against the holy God, and it was time to shut up, okay, and do that. Now, down here, we're supposed to speak up. We're supposed to stand up for Christ and never be ashamed of the gospel and do that, okay? All right, grab your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Ezekiel, okay? So um, if you open up your Bible in the middle, what book will you hit? Psalms. Head towards the New Testament, and you're going to hit some big books. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel's right there, right before Daniel. Go to Ezekiel 33. Once you find it, look at the person next to you, help them find it as well. Or if you 
Um, if you're new at all this, just look at the table of contents, no big deal. You fumble around till you find things, ask somebody in front of you. Uh, I never owned a Bible to my sophomore year at Auburn University. Uh, I lived in the deep south, never owned a Bible. Someone gave me one, and I was so thankful when they gave me a Bible that God wrote a table of contents so I could find anything in this book. I was the most lost puppy. I didn't know where anything was at, okay? So you just fumble around, you find it, so never feel uncomfortable and do that. Go to Ezekiel 33 and go to verse 1. And watch what it says. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, okay? The word of the Lord came unto me saying, so in 2016, what's the number one way you get the word of the Lord is what? In 2016, what's the number one way you get the word of the Lord is what? Reading your Bible, okay? Very, very simple, okay? The Bible says in the end of days, there's going to be false Christs, false prophets, and false teachers. Those are all false religious people. In the coming days, be much more concerned about religious folk than non-religious folk. Because typically with religious folk, you take your guard and you drop your guard, and that's when the false teaching comes in, okay? So one thing we teach all the time is guards up. Put your guards up. Put your guard up this morning. Most of you don't even know who I am, okay? You've never heard me speak before, read one of my books. Put your guards up. Test everything I say against what? The Word of God to make sure it's correct. Can I get off base biblically, yes or no? Yes, okay. Can Pastor Chris get off base biblically, yes or no? Yes, it's not our goal. Every week, one of my prayers is, Father, do not let me be deceived. So, Father, I will not deceive other people because I have a platform in what I do. Chris has a platform. Mom and dads, you have the most important platform ever created in the history of the world to be a mother and father to raise godly kids in 2016. But Satan would want to deceive you to get you off track and do that, okay? The Bible says in the end of days, an anti-Christ is going to show up, okay? Anti doesn't always mean against. It can also mean in place of. And Christ means anointed one. So someone's going to come on the scene in place of the anointed one. Who's the anointed one? That's Jesus Christ. So it's going to be a false Jesus Christ. But the Bible says when the Antichrist pops up in the world, he's going to do lying signs and wonders, Thessalonians says. Now, we use another word, miracles, for that, okay? So he's going to come on, he's going to see all these miracles. Like, oh, he's doing miracles. He must be from who? God. So I'm going to follow wherever he points. But if you study your Bibles back here in Deuteronomy 13, it says, I as God may one day send a miracle worker right in front of you just to test you. Will God test us, yes or no? How about all the time? He's trying to build our character, our integrity, be men and women of God, teenagers of the Lord we're supposed to be, okay? Just to test you, will you follow me as God or will you follow the miracle worker, okay? So guards up today, guards up all the days of your life. Okay, guard your heart, and then parents, you do that. You help guard the hearts of your kids as well with good teaching. Now go to verse 2, and watch where we go. Son of man, speak unto the children of thy people, and say unto them, when I bring a sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man off their coast and set them for their watchmen. Okay, key word this morning is watchmen. I want you to know what a biblical watchman is. And uh, before you maybe leave church today or before you put your head on a pillow tonight, make a commitment to be a biblical watchman all the days of your life. Okay, so the key word's watchman this morning. All right, verse three. If when he sees the sword come upon the land, uh, he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. Verse five. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. Now watch verse six. 
But if the watchman sees the sword come and blows not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand, okay? Here's the picture. Back in the day, they didn't have CNN and Fox News and satellites and drones and stuff, okay? So you built walls around your city is what you did. And you chose watchmen to stand up on the wall, and they had a very simple job, just look in the distance. That's all their job was. And they'd see an army come to the rise, so they'd pull the trumpet out, blow the trumpet, warn the people in the city trouble was coming. They'd see a big dust cloud coming, so then it would be horses or chariots, so they'd pull the trumpet out, blow the trumpet, warn the people in the city trouble was coming. Now, was it the watchman's job to go down the ladder, go in the city, put everyone's armor, Uzis, knives, and staves on? Was that their job? Nope, simple job. See trouble coming, pull the trumpet out, blow the trumpet, warn the people, trouble's coming, okay? Let's say we did the same thing. Let's say we built a wall around Odessa, because you and I both know we can't trust those people from St. Pete. And, uh, oh, you been there before? I've been there too. I, I leave as quick as I can. And uh, so we built a wall around our city, okay? And you're going to choose watchmen to stand up on the wall. Now, is this an important job, yes or no? Yes. Very important job. Done incorrectly can cost everybody in this city its life. Okay, so pretend it's a clash, might be a school teacher. So just raise a hand up. What are certain qualities you would want in any watchman you would want to stand on that wall to protect your city? Okay, so pop some hands up. What are certain qualities? Yes, ma'am? Okay, to stay focused, okay? Because if, if it's lazy, if it's easy, just looking around and all this, okay? Sleeping when he's supposed to be working at 3 a.m., okay, and doing that stuff, okay? I need something that's focused because this is, this is too important of a task to be unfocused. Very good point, okay? What's another quality you'd want in, in a, any watchman? Okay, I rarely ever get this, okay? But he said to be able to play the trumpet, okay? Which is actually just something so simple. You don't want him to pick it up and say, how does this thing work, okay? <laughs> You don't want that, okay? But if you ever study, that's really good. Uh, but if you ever study the scriptures, it also says there's different sounds to the trumpet, okay? Some called you for assembly, some called you for church, some called you for war, okay? So you have to know how to play the sounds as well. Excellent point, okay? What's another quality? Okay, good eyesight, because if you know anything about military war and history, um, there's things called false flag operations. So, for instance, the French would attack England but put up a Spanish flag. And the English would go, oh, those Spaniards, okay. And they'd attack Spain, but it was the French the whole time, you see. So if you blow the trumpet three or four times and it's a false alarm, you blow it on the real deal. And people say, oh, it's another false alarm again. So I have to have good eyesight to tell friendly from enemy. That's actually an excellent point. What's another quality you'd want? Okay, how about a heart for the people in the city that you absolutely love these people so much, right? You don't want them to what? Die and do that, okay? I'm speaking in a um, maximum security prison in Rhode Island. Uh, so this is murders, rapists, the whole nine yards, and steel tables with steel chairs melded into them and stuff, right? So you can't throw them at people and stuff. So I got a hard group here. And I'm, I'm giving this talk. I'm giving this point. Very last guy on the corner over there. I said, sir, what's a quality? He said, love. I said, what? He said, love. I said, what do you mean? He said, I want to make sure the guy on the wall loves the people in the city so much that he doesn't care if it's 3 a.m. he's blowing the trumpet. He doesn't care if he's waking up his mom and his brothers and sisters. He loves them so much, okay, he doesn't want anyone to die. He said, love, okay. I've only had that answer, I think, in two churches before. 
And I got in a maximum security prison in Rhode Island one day and do that. Think about that for a second. But shouldn't we be the best lovers here in Tampa, St. Pete? Shouldn't it be us believers in Jesus Christ? And we can, they don't, no one can outlove us in how we live our life and do that, okay? Any other quality that you'd want in a, in a watchman, okay? Now, those qualities, shouldn't we have all those qualities ourselves as Christians? Shouldn't we be lovers? Shouldn't we be men and women of integrity? Loyalty, big one, loyalty, very important, okay? Uh, ready to go, good eyesight, seeing a situation, then walk in the middle of it and do something for Jesus Christ there, okay? Now watch, go to verse 7, and watch where everything changes in verse 7, okay? So thou, thou, O son of man, I have set thee as a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will acquire at thine your hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Now watch 10. Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel, thus she speaks, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away, we rot away in them, how should we then live? 11, say unto them as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? Beginning of 11, again, say unto them as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It's not a good day for God when Adolf Hitler takes his last breath and dies and goes to hell. It was not what God created him for. It's not a good day for Idi Amin and Pol Pot and Joseph Stalin and Lenin, Osama bin Laden, when they take their last breath and die and go to hell. It's not what God created them for, okay? Anybody remember uh, George Carlin, the famous comedian George Carlin? When George Carlin died a few years ago, I, I got on YouTube to, to watch some 10-minute clips of George Carlin. Uh, I couldn't get through one 10-minute clip without having to hit the pause button. I completely forgot how much he blasphemed the name of God and Jesus Christ. I completely forgot. Isn't it interesting how you can watch one thing as a lost person, but you can't watch it as a saved person? There is no way on earth, okay? But I began to wonder, who witnessed to Mr. Carlin? Who walked up to him on the street of Los Angeles and handed him a gospel tract? Said, Mr. Carlin, would you please read this for me? I want to see you in heaven one day, okay? Who went up to him and said, Mr. Carlin, uh, by the way, um, the God that you mock in your routines is the God you're going to stand in front of one day. Are you sure you want to do that? Okay, who had enough guts to blow the trumpet and warn him trouble was coming? Okay, um, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs sold one of his companies for $400 million. Steve Jobs sold one of his companies for $8 billion. Okay, I haven't mentioned Apple yet. My Bible's as clear as a bell. What does it profit a man if he gains what? The whole world, yet what? loses his soul. What a terrible, terrible trade-off, okay? Think about that for a second. Um, in the books I write, we teach you different ways to witness to people and talk to people. And I was on a Detroit airport, and I was walking onto the train in the airport, and a guy was walking on with me, and he had a, the Steve Jobs autobiography, so he had a big picture of Steve Jobs on the front. So I just reached over, I tapped the book, I said, what do you think? Man looked at me, said, absolutely one of the meanest men I've ever read about in my life, okay? Steve Jobs was well-known for firing people on the spot, well-known for it. Steve Jobs was well-known for making people work Christmas, well-known for it. Now, he wasn't a Christian, but that's still family time anyways to get away and stuff, okay, well-known for it. Steve Jobs was well-known 
for taking other people's ideas and putting them into his products, well known for it. Thou shall not steal. Okay, think about that, okay? Um, what's the symbol for Apple? Apple with a bite out of it. Where's the only place in all recorded history to see a piece of fruit with a bite out of it? Where? That's the book of Genesis. That's been a symbol of rebellion against God for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years, yet that's the symbol you chose for your company? Uh, why not a whole apple? Why not uh, the word apple? I mean, if you're going to use apple, how do you even get to the word apple? He got to the word apple because he got into a certain musical group. What was the musical group he got into? Anyone know? Got into the Beatles, and the Beatles were put together by Apple Records. Is music influential, yes or no? Very influential, Okay. Um, anyone know what religious belief or system he was into? He was into Hinduism. Anyone know how he got into Hinduism? He got into a certain musical group. Anyone know the musical group he got into? Yeah, I just told you. I'm a school teacher. And I just told you. It was the Beatles. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, front row. And uh, do that. Okay. Yeah, it was the Beatles. He got in the Beatles. And remember, the, the Beatles went over to India for their Maharishi phase and all that stuff. Okay. Is music powerful? Yes or no? You better be careful what's on your iPod, on your phones, and on your kids' phones. You can teach them one thing and get a hook from the enemy and start that reeling process away. I have seen music destroy people, pull them into a whole different worldview, walk away from God, okay? Um, on Steve Jobs' deathbed, uh, the last two months of his life, he spent it all with his family because he made a fatal error as a businessman. He forgot to spend time with what? His family, and he realized at the end, men, that's too late. Those youngins are 18 and out the door before you know it. What is it, zero to 18 in like two and a half weeks or something like that, right? <laughs> They're gone and just history gone. Okay, your influence time is much shorter than you really actually think it is and do that on your kids and do that, okay? Um, the, um, uh, on his deathbed, his whole family was there. and His sister came out one week later and said what happened. He said goodbye to each person, goodbye, goodbye. He looked over their heads. He stared in the distance and he said, oh, wow. Oh, wow, oh, wow, flatlined and died. He saw something before he died. He didn't say what it was, didn't say good or bad or anything, but he saw something before he walked out of here, okay? My question is, who witnessed to him? Who cared enough to blow the trumpet and warn him trouble was coming? Guess what? I found out about a, a vice president for Apple that walked into his office one day, okay, sat across his desk and shared Jesus Christ with him. And Mr. Jobs wanted nothing to do with it, zero, Okay. Did that man do his job, yes or no? Yes. yes, he did. He was the biblical watchman. He blew the trumpet, warned the people trouble was coming. Okay, And so that's what we do as Christians, as caring people. We blow the trumpet. It's your choice what you do with the warning. Okay. So down here you get hurricane sirens go off for warnings, yes? Okay. No? Yeah. Oh, TV or whatever. Okay, so up in Georgia, I live in Atlanta, uh, we'll have tornado sirens go off. So when a tornado siren goes off, you have a choice to wait. Mark, you can go outside and enjoy the windy day. Okay, or you can get down deep and get out of the way. But all the sirens says, Mark, make a decision and make it quick. Okay, that's all we do as Christians. Okay, we blow the trumpet. We warn people trouble's coming. Your choice what you do with the warning. Okay, I was on a plane flight going to uh, Newark, New Jersey and had a guy sitting next to me who worked for the CIA. So I kept asking him all these questions uh, he couldn't answer. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I kept asking him all these conspiratorial questions. I guess I didn't have a high enough security clearance or something. And uh, so we're going back and forth. 
And then all of a sudden he told me he was an agnostic. Okay, so now if you're taking notes, write these two simple things down, okay? Uh, he told me he's agnostic. If you know these two things, you'll be ahead of 95% of all people when it comes to sharing your faith. Very simple stuff, all right? First thing when it comes to witnessing, when you share your faith, sharing your faith isn't a presentation. Sharing your faith is a conversation. Very easy, simple thing to remember, okay? Sharing your faith isn't a presentation. Sharing your faith is a conversation. Jesus had a conversation with the woman of the well, a conversation with the rich young ruler. Paul had a conversation with Felix, a conversation with Agrippa. Now, can all of us have conversations? We do it all the time, okay? The only question is, how do you flip it from a temporary to a spiritual conversation and do that? And we'll show you some simple ways today, and then uh, the books show you easy ways to do it, okay? Second thing is, if anyone ever says anything, you don't know what it means, just ask them, okay? I'm an agnostic. Well, what do you mean by agnostic, okay? I'm an atheist. Well, what do you mean by atheist? I believe in evolution. Well, what do you mean by evolution? Because, see, someone can use a word but have a different meaning to the word, right, okay? Hey, I'm a Christian, Great question. What do you mean by Christian, okay? You get all kinds of answers. Well, I'm a good person. Is that the right answer? Not even close, okay? But you get that. Um, well, I go to church. Does going to church make you a Christian? No. Going in the garage make you a car? No. Going in the barn make you a cow? No, it doesn't make you something, okay? But just it, hope you go to a nice, strong church and everything, but it doesn't make you something, okay? Now, all agnostic is they're kind of in the mushy middle, not quite believing in God, not quite not believing God. They're just kind of usually thinkers, big readers, love to read, okay? But they're kind of questioning. They're searching. And I love people like that. We keep talking. Darren looks at me and says, oh, by the way, Mark, I was on flight 93, September 11th, 2001. And so my Rolodex went off in my head. And that's the plane that went down where? Pennsylvania, where everybody what? Everybody died, okay? But remember, okay, um, that not that they all died. But always remember that, that they're all still alive is the thing, okay? That's one of the lies of the world. The world shines you death means over with. Michael Jackson, dead, gone. Elizabeth Taylor, dead, gone. John Wayne, dead, gone. That's not what death means in the Bible. All death means in the Bible is opening up the door to the other side. That's all death is in the Bible. Matter of fact, in the King James Bible, many times uses the word asleep for death. I think it's a great word for death. Because you're asleep, you eventually what? You just wake up on the other side. Yeah, I think it's a great word for death, okay? And do this. So my buddy Tate, who died, he's still alive. He's just alive on the other side, heaven or hell, depending on what he did with Jesus Christ and did it. Okay, that simple. So obviously this man wasn't on the plane flight because he was sitting next to me, okay? So remember, that was a Tuesday morning uh, back in 2001. I'm like, Darren, what do you mean? He said the Friday before, his boss called him up and said, uh, Darren, I need you to get a, 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 to California a day early. I need you to switch your flight to Monday, September 10th. He gets on flight 93, September 10th, 2000. He said, Mark, on my wall is a picture frame with a ticket, flight 93, September 11th, 2001. He was that close to being on that plane flight. Okay? Remember, he was an agnostic. I said, Darren, was that luck? Was that chance? Or was that God that kept you off the plane flight? He looked at me and said, yes, 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 okay? He knew, he knew something kept him off. He knew it, he knew it, he knew it, okay? I said, Darren, the reason God kept you off the plane flight was to hear the rest of the story. Here's the rest of the story, okay? So we talked about sin. We talked about repentance. We talked about the cross. We talked about the resurrection. I said, do you like to read? What did he say? 
Oh, yeah, he said, I'd love to read, okay? Signed a book, gave me, I said, Darren, you gotta search this out because one day I'm on the plane flight. One day I'm in the car accident, okay? One day I do have the heart attack and walk out of here, okay? I just gotta know where I'm going. So I just gotta blow the trumpet, warn people trouble's coming, okay? So you're doing a, 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 a series on, how you say, countercultural, is that what you're saying? And so one of the things, I was in my hotel yesterday and I met a lady, Mayan, uh, she's from Tel Aviv, and she's here on business at, at the hotel. So we started chatting, and so we started talking about, she's an atheist, uh, but she's cultural Jew. So she goes to the high holidays, Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, Passover. So it'd be like a, a, a um, Christmas Easter kind of Christian, you know what I'm talking about? It's one of those type things, okay? So we start talking about, who do you think the Messiah is, or they call him the Mashiach? Okay, because they leave at the Seder sub, they leave an empty uh, seat, okay, that the, uh, that the forerunner we know is John the Baptist coming before the Messiah shows up. Well, I actually believe Yeshua, Hamashiach, is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah, okay? So grab your Bibles, go to John 14. And so as we're talking at the hotel, uh, go to John 14 and go to verse 6. Now you're going to recognize these verses. Go to John 14, verse 6. Have these in your arsenal when you're chatting with people. John 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the, the truth, and the no man cometh unto the Father but by me. How many ways to get to heaven? One, One. He's making it as simple and clear as can be, okay, and do that. Now, the culture may not like that, but I can't worry about that. Truth is much more important than what the culture is saying, okay? Go to Acts chapter 4. Go to Acts 4. And I'm chatting with Mayan at the hotel. Saw her again this morning. She came up to me at the breakfast area to chat and thanking me for the book I gave her and stuff and just enjoyed the conversation because someone was caring enough to chat. Go to Acts 4, verse 12. Acts 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What's the name? It's Jesus, okay? So he's making it as clear as a bell where you can't miss this, okay? One way to get there, your choice if you're going to come his way to do that. Go to 1 Timothy. Go to 1 Timothy 2. Now, 1 Timothy is always right before what? 2 Timothy, very good. It never moves, so you can always find it there. Go to 1 Timothy 2. Okay, because if you're going to really stand up for truth, we're going to be countercultural and do this, okay? 1 Timothy 2. Okay, highlight these, dog ear these pages. You'll use these verses all the time as you go through life and do that. Go to 1 Timothy 2, go to verses 4 and 5. Verse 4, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. How many people does God want saved? Everybody in Tampa, St. Pete, everybody in Florida, Georgia, everybody in America, everybody in Brazil, everybody in the world. It's our job to do something about that as watchmen for the Lord. Go to verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, who? Christ Jesus. One way to get there, because there's only one way to be forgiven of your sins, okay? So again, that might seem very direct to people today when they want to say all paths lead to heaven, right? That's what Oprah says, and a lot of other people are now saying and stuff like that. I can't worry about that. Truth is much more important than anything else, okay? And that's why the Bible says speak the truth, but speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4, okay? I'm on a plane flight going to Wichita, Kansas. I have a guy next to me, Joe, and I'm trying to get into a spiritual conversation with him, but, but there, we don't have a door yet. It doesn't. So this is a, an easy way to talk to someone spiritually. I said, Joe, 
Uh, can I ask you an interesting question? That's an easy hook. Can I ask you an interesting question? What's everybody say? Sure, what do you got? Okay. I said, Joe, when you were younger as a kid, did you grow up in any religious faith or belief or tradition as a child? Okay. Great question. 90 to 95% of all people say what? Sure, they grew up in something. Now that you're older, works on any age group. You can use it on a teenager, 80-year-old, doesn't matter. Now that you're older, is it more important to you or less important you've gotten older? Now, what do most people say at this point? Most people say less important, okay, the more people you chat with. Okay. But wait a minute, as we're getting older, we're getting closer to what? Dying, so shouldn't it become more important? See, it's a very easy walk with people, okay? Watch what happened. I said, Joe, when you're younger as a kid, you grew up in religious faith or belief or traditions as a child. I said, yeah, I grew up Methodist. A little edginess to his voice. I said, okay, so now that you're older, about mid-50s, I said, now that you're older, is it more important to you or less important you've gotten? Or he said, less important with a most definite edge to his voice, okay? I said, okay. I said, Joe, I said, um, did, did anything happen along the way to kind of push you away from God? He said, yes, it did, okay, with a most, most definite edge to his voice, okay? Now, whenever that happens, I, only, I do one thing, and it seems to work fine. I just said, Joe, if you feel comfortable, can you tell me what happened, okay? Now, even if he doesn't tell me, can I still blow the trumpet? Sure, that's not a problem, but I've learned in life now, a lot of people want to get something off their what? Chest, okay. Uh, the guy behind the counter at the residence in this morning, chatting with Luis, he said, let's walk outside. Bingo, he wanted to walk outside and get something off his chest he wanted to chat about, okay? So you just learn people want to do that, okay? But even if he doesn't, I can still do my job for the Lord, okay? But we want to be a good release valve for people. Joe, uh, if you feel comfortable, can you tell me what happened? All of a sudden, he put his head down complete total silence he's bobbing his head up and down total silence okay you ever had that awkward silence in a conversation okay now two things when that happens one it's never as long as you think it is right you think it's eternity plus and it was two seconds right okay it's never as long as you think it is um uh second thing is if they're being quiet you be what just be quiet okay something's happening over here with him and the holy spirit that i don't know what's going on okay Joe put his head down. I just sat there and be quiet. It was really long. I don't know how long it was, but it was one of the longest ever. He just had his head down, thinking. He turned and looked at me. He said, okay. He said, a stalker came after my daughter. We had to get the police involved. He said, the stalker came after my wife. We had to get the police involved. He said, the stalker broke the restraining order. Uh, he was arrested and thrown into juvenile detention center. He was a 17-year-old young man. Can 17-year-olds do wicked things? evil, wicked things. Are you reaching them when you see 10 cars parked in a parking lot on a Friday night? We're all looking at their cars and just walk over and chat with those young men and ladies. You're reaching them on the beach as they're sitting over there on the boardwalk in Clearwater or something like that. But if you're not reaching for Christ, don't worry, Satan is, so don't worry. He's having a field day right now with those kids. I think we need to reach out to them and do that, okay? He said, one morning at 5 a.m., uh, my daughter let out a blood-curdling scream at 5 a.m., he came running out of his bedroom. His, uh, the gunman was standing uh, 10 to 15 feet away in his house. He had shot out the sliding glass doors and was standing in the middle of his house. Okay? So think about for a second, if you had a gunman in your house 10 or 15 feet away, okay, previous history, uh, your daughter's screaming. Okay? So just think about for a second, maybe wrestle in your Sunday school classes. What would you do okay, if that gunman was in your house? What would you do? Because it's our job as men to protect our wives, our sisters, and our daughters. Is that correct, fellas? Yes, sir. Is that correct, fellas? Yes, 
Okay, yes, that's our job. What can a bullet do? All the bullet can do is send me where I swear I want to go. Then he just tell you to think about being in, 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 in the presence of Christ and being in the presence, no pain, no suffering, no crying. No, didn't we just think about that for a second? I had a gun pulled on me in a gas station in Atlanta a couple years ago, okay? Um, I live in a little bit of a rough area, so I knew it was going to happen at some point. Um, I was nervous, not going to lie about it, I was nervous, but before it ended, I walked towards the guy, okay? Because I don't believe a bullet can touch me until God says it can touch me. And the moment it touches me, I either go to the hospital and share my faith at a hospital, or I go be with Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. What a good way to walk out of here, okay? Standing up for Jesus Christ and doing that. Now, Joe's not a believer. I said, Joe, what did you do? He said, I rushed that kid. He ran straight for that guy. Two bullets to the stomach. I said, what'd you do, Joe? He said, I kept going. He said, he tackled that kid. He said, we were wrestling on the floor in the house. He said, it was extremely bloody. He said, all of a sudden, the kid popped out of my hands. He ran out of the house, took off down the street. The police finally showed up. They caught him at the end of the street. He said, I was laying on the floor, and I said, wait a minute. He said, where's my wife at? And he went up, he went to the front door, opened the front door. His wife is laying face down in the snow, shot and killed. Uh, the gunman was waiting at the front door, shot and killed the wife, came to the back of the house, and that's how the rest of the encounter played itself out. Joe looked at me and said, Mark, I have a question for you. Okay, always remember conversations go what? They go both directions. Now, we're in a good point here, okay? Even if I can't answer his question, we're still okay because he's asking the question. So we're at a good point, okay? He said, Mark, I have a question. I said, okay, Joe. He said, how can there be a God with my wife who is dead, uh, who is dead and this man who's alive and in prison all how? How can there be a God? Okay, legitimate question, yes or no? That's legit where I come from, okay? Bingo, we start going back and forth. He had all these great questions, and you and I got all these great what? Answers, okay? And we got to meet these people at some time. So we're just talking back. I finally said, I said, Joe, do you like to read? He said, no, I don't. So I gave him one of my books. And uh, I, uh, I don't give up easy. I really don't. And uh, so when we landed in Wichita, he was 55 pages into the book. He was eating it up, okay? He looked at me at the end of the flight. He said, Mark, this has really helped me answer my questions. Oops, there we go again. That whole world's got questions. You and I got what? Answers, and we got to meet each other at some point and do that, okay? And um, so we're talking. At the end of the flight, he shook my hand twice, thanking me for the conversation. Think about that. You're assuming nobody wants to talk with you today. I'm assuming they do. They live in the same crazy world we live in. This place is getting crazy, okay? We're, I, I, and I know it's going to get crazy because we're one day closer to Jesus coming back than yesterday. It's going to get crazier and crazier, so I'm not worried about that. I got to take the light to the darkness and let it shine, okay? Then he said to me, he said, Mark, by the way, uh, this happened 20 years ago. And he must have seen the look on my face. I couldn't believe he said that because the whole time he's talking, I'm thinking it happened when? Yesterday. Because then I realized the silence because it wasn't a story to him. He had to relive the whole thing again when he told the story. And it finally made sense on what was going on over there. He said, Mark, my biggest fear is that uh, the guy got a 30-year sentence that happened 20 years ago. My biggest fear is he comes out of prison in 10 years and comes after who? Yeah, not him. His daughter. And this man had no peace, like zero peace. And so I shared again with him the prince of peace. So remember when you're blowing the trumpet. Did I need to yell and scream at Joe over here? Nope, didn't need to yell and scream. Does Joe get to heaven because his wife was shot and killed? 
Nope, you don't get to heaven for that either, okay? He gets to heaven when he commits his life to the Lord Jesus Christ who washes him clean of every sin, past, present, future, the best deal in the whole universe. I'll take that in a split second over $1.5 billion any day of the week. Total deception was going on in our culture, okay? So again, Joe and I had a great conversation. Blow the trumpet, warn people trouble's coming, your choice what you do with the warning, okay? I wrote a book called One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. Does anyone know the one thing you can't do in heaven? Anyone know? You can't witness to a lost person. Exactly. Why? Because they're not, not going to be there. So if you're going to reach somebody, you've got to reach them where? Where? Here? When? When? It's a now. It's a now, guys, okay? This book, so simple, easy to read, um, gives you all the basics on sharing your faith, how to break through the fear of rejection, good questions to get started. Just really, I got an email on Friday. I looked at my phone. Some guy read the book. He said, I read your book, One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. He said, but I didn't really read it. I'm like, what kind of email is this, okay? He said, I got the audio version of it, okay, because I'm not a big reader, he said. And he said, I listened to it. He said, I've gone from 5% witnessing to 75%. He said, I'm on fire for Christ. He said, thank you so much for writing that book, okay? And there's some man, I'll email back when I get home tonight, and he is just going for it, okay? Because the book shows you how basically easy it is, okay, how not to fear rejection. All my books are full of stories. So in this book, I got to share Jesus with uh, a Satanist, an atheist. Uh, Charles Barkley's in here. Michael Jordan's in here. Why? Well, I met him before. When I meet people, I don't ask for autographs and pictures. I ask questions. A lot more fun, okay? Getting good, fun conversations through that. Um, Jeff Foxworthy, the comedian, you know, smarter than a fifth grader guy, he called me up one day, ordered a whole case of these. He became a Christian, and he wants to be bold and share his faith. He went into his church one Sunday and said, you got to read this, you got to read this, you got to read He just started giving it to people and stuff because it really get him on fire to do that, okay? How many people have lost people you're trying to reach for Christ? Have lost people you're trying to reach for Christ? Okay, let's try again. How many people have lost people you're trying to reach for Christ? Okay. How many people have immediate family members that aren't born again and saved? Okay, somebody asked me, would you write a book to lost people since you spend so much time with them? So we wrote the book One Heartbeat Away. We geared it for lost people, but Christians love all the apologetics in the book. How do you, one chapter, how do you prove there's a God? Another chapter on creation evolution. Another chapter, how do you prove the Bible true? Another chapter on the Ten Commandments, and we just walk you right to the cross. Okay, and you can decide what you want to do. We've had atheists read this book, become born again. Muslims read this book, become born again. Catholic nun read the book, became born again. A guy picked up a book at church. Uh, he read it, gave it to his 80-year-old uh, brother. He read the book, got saved, gave it to the 80-year-old Catholic nun sister. She read the book and got saved. Okay, isn't that great? Just reaching out to the people around you and doing that. In this book, uh, I got a chance to, it's full of stories too. I got to witness to an atheist, um, Anyone remember uh, Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby? Okay, I ran into him in the Fort Lauderdale airport. I just, some guy with tattoos, I like tattoo people. I said, hey, what's your favorite tattoo? He's describing all these tattoos. Pulled his shirt up. He had the Sacred Heart of Mary here, all these different tattoos. And some girl walks over, um, excuse me, aren't you Vanilla Ice? And I'm talking to Vanilla Ice. I didn't even know I was talking to Vanilla Ice in the middle of the airport. He said, he said let's sit down and talk. So sure. Sat down, 30-minute conversation on the topic of God, 30 minutes. I said, how'd you get into, he was into Scientology. I said, how'd you get into Scientology? Never forget his answer to the day I die. He said, because John Travolta had a talk with me. What was John Travolta doing? Witnessing and sharing his faith. But see, they believe in aliens, ships above us. You go to all that stuff. Okay, a lot of crazy stuff. But I wrote at the end of the book here, when I die, I said, John Travolta's not going to outwitness me. No way on earth, okay? We, we serve a resurrected Savior. I'm not letting him outwitness me. A couple years ago, I sat on a plane flight next to a Carlos. He, I said, what do you do? He said, I'm a pilot. I said, well, who do you fly for? I said, I fly for celebrities. I said, really? 
any particular, say, I have one guy do a lot of stuff for I said, John Travolta, he said, how'd you know that? And Travolta's very known, he's a pilot himself and stuff. And um, it, when he does cross-world trips, he actually hires this Carlos guy to fly him. And I said, by the way, how's John doing ever since his, what happened, his son died? Yeah, boy, Carlos looked at me and said, mm-mm. He's struggling. He is struggling, okay? Because, see, all of a sudden, Scientology can't help you when you're, I think he was a 16- or 14-year-old boy passed away and did that. And uh, so Carlos and I talked about life and death. Do you like to read? Yeah. I said, by the way, if I sign a book for John, would you give it to him? He said, yes, I will. And so I got to sign a book for Mr. Travolta as well, and he was giving it to him. See, that's a chance to blow the trumpet and warn people trouble's coming. What are we going to do about that, okay? Uh, in this book here, I also got to witness the Tiger Woods one time. I was in Orlando. I was walking on a golf course with Tiger. I said, Tiger, I said, I always want to ask you a question. He said, go for it. I said, Tiger, I said, when you die, I said, what do you think's on the other side? What do you think's out there when you walk out of here? He stopped dead square in his tracks, stared up at me and said, I don't know. And Tiger and I had a 10 to 12 minute talk on, the, on a golf course over in Orlando just because I threw a good question out there. Okay? And that's the value of a good question. It stops and makes people think then they have to come up with an answer for that, okay? Um, we got an email to the ministry one day from a 89-year-old World War II vet, okay? He made the fatal error of putting his phone number in the email, so I, I called the guy, and uh, so I called him, and uh, interesting guy. 89-year-old World War II vet, he lives up, he was in a VA hospital, and this book was sitting on a table, it was sitting on the table, Picked it up, looked at it, said, well, he said, shoot. He said, I guess I can take it. So he took it and walked out the door. He had read the book a time and a half. He was a World War II vet, machine gunner, Battle of the Bulge. Think about that, okay. I'm just picking this guy's brain. I got history on the phone, man. I'm just picking this guy's brain. Really nice guy. He said, I read your book a time and a half through. He said, I have 300 years of Catholicism in my family. I've trusted the Roman Catholic Church for my salvation. I am now trusting Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of my sins. He said, sir, he said, um, do you have any other books? I said, do you like to read? He said, oh, my mind is sharp as a tack. Don't you love older people? I love older people, man. <laughs> and uh, he said, I read everything. So I sent him a care package up to him. He emails me back. He said, sir, he said, I've now read that book three times front to back, okay? I'm telling everybody I can about Jesus Christ up here in Ohio. He's, he's this, become this Paul Watchman up there, you know, in Ohio. But just someone, some seed got planted and do that, okay? So um, the books are real fun. They're real easy to read. We knew uh, graduates from the University of Alabama might read one one day, so we made them really simple. Auburn people have to make it very simple for Alabama people. And do that. Uh, short sentences, small words, perfect for you, and do that, okay? And do that. Uh, so uh, when you walk out, uh, there's a table back there with books for you uh, back there. Um, uh, we're very different. We charge for nothing. Uh, everything's just donational. You just take whatever you want. You just give whatever you want and do that stuff. If you're a visitor, take something uh, free off the table, no charge. If you're not saved, please take a, a copy of One Heart Away, no charge, uh, and do it. Just read it and make sure you make a decision off the information about Jesus Christ there. Great book for coworkers and friends. Um, I just had a guy walking me yesterday at Idlewild, the other campus. He heard me two years ago when I was here speaking, and he's, he's a doctor. He said, I witnessed all my patients now. All he is just on fire for God and do that. We have a doctor in Birmingham. He puts little stickers on his books. It says, please steal me. <laughs> little doctor, please steal me. I've actually heard from people in his doctor's office that took the book and went home and read it, and they got to contact the ministry and do that, okay? So the books are there for you. Remember, to be a leader, you got to be a reader. Very important to be a leader. You got to be a reader, okay? Shut your phones off. Shut your TVs off, okay? I got rid of TV 20 years ago. Missed nothing. Missed nothing. 
Okay, it's given me plenty of time to read. I've written six books now. If I had been watching TV all those years, I couldn't have done any of that stuff, okay? So again, your time is very valuable and do that, okay? So you just take whatever you want. If money's tight, take something free off the table, no charge. Just make sure you read it or watch it. There's some DVDs. I go one step further though. There's a box on the table. Um, uh, so you just give whatever you want, take whatever you want. Um, but if you have a financial need, not a want, a need, you know the difference. You can reach in the box and take out of the box, okay? Uh, I started doing this a few years back. Uh, we've heard the coolest stories from that box back there. Um, I actually had a guy walk up to me at a church in uh, Indiana. He says, sir, can I get $20 out of the box for gas? I said, sure, don't ask me. If you have a need, just go ahead and take it. I, I, I said, but sure. I said, why do you ask? He said, oh, I was driving past your church this morning, and my car ran out of gas, and I coasted it and landed in the church parking lot, okay? So he was sitting in the church parking lot. He said, well, I'm at church. Might as well just go. And uh, so he was sitting in the back, <laughs> And he had a great morning. He had God and gas all in the same morning. It was a wonderful morning for him and do that. And uh, we were at another church in Illinois, and, and uh, missionaries were there, and they were from Uganda. And they left me a note in the box. Don't leave me a note. Uh, but they left me a note. And so I read the note later, and it said, we're missionaries to Uganda, and we were visiting your church this morning. I was this guest speaker. And um, uh, we were, t we're going to Uganda tomorrow on a Monday. We have a second bag with us, okay? And they're charging us $200 for the second bag. That's called a ripoff, correct? Isn't the plane already going to you? If you pay it or not, right? It's already going. It's just another ripoff in life, and I hate that stuff. She said, we don't have the $200, and the bag is all full of what? Bibles and gospel tracts. Sir, we just took $200 out of the box. We will get this bag to Uganda. We'll get this literature all across Uganda. Thank you very much, okay? Don't we serve a great God? We serve a great God. And remember, you cannot outgive the Lord, but are you even trying? You can't outgive God. He owns the whole shooting match you see every day when your eyes open up and do that, okay? But remember, I wrote in another book, giving has nothing to do with money. Can't you give your time like you did yesterday and stuff, okay? Can't you give your talents? Some of those are bigger gifts than money is not do that, okay? But we need to be the, our calling card is giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. We're givers, okay? Time is precious, okay? I spoke for almost an hour. A lot of people died in this last hour. They met Jesus Christ, some were ready, some weren't ready, okay? The Bible says today's the day of salvation. You can't be a watchman unless you have got something to give away. Saved first, watchman second. Does that make sense? Okay, so one, if you haven't made that commitment to Christ, make it, okay? Best decision I ever made in my life, 25 years old. Got on my knees, repented of my sins, got born again and saved, and been trying to serve God my best I can last 28 years of my life and do that, okay? But watchmen... If you haven't been sharing your faith, remember, today's a new day, okay? That trumpet does us no good in our pocket when trouble's coming. You watch TV or you are on the internet, America's in trouble, isn't it? It's in trouble. It needs one thing, a good dose of Jesus Christ. That's all it needs, okay? But it's our job to pick it up and blow the trumpet and warn people, okay? And make sure they're with their choice what they do with the warning, okay? But I got to care about them enough to share and blow the trumpet. Time is precious, okay? Use it very, very wisely in the days to come, okay?